everyone and welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast brought to you by Product Marketing Alliance. My name is Emma Bloddy. I'm a content marketer here at PMA. This episode is sponsored by Fletcher CSI, experts at win-loss analysis as well as competitive primary research projects. Fletcher CSI's reports are clear, actionable and strategic with their work being used by the top brands in tech. They balance skillful research with the latest tools, including win-loss management and competitive market monitoring platforms. For more information, visit FletcherCSI.com technology. As part of this series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. And in this episode, we're joined by Marcusini, Product Marketing Manager at Voices. Mark's also a PMA ambassador. With a background in video games, branding, and advertising at a creative agency, he has a unique appreciation for the challenges associated with working in both technical and creative environments, balancing analysis and process with creative chaos. And today we're going to be discussing product marketing in a two-sided market. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Hey, Emma. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Voices? Yeah, sure thing. So outside of work, I'm very, very lucky to be the father of a toddler and a newborn. My wife and I have five years, just welcomed our second little guy two months ago. So we're very happy and excited with that. Oh, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Um, If you take a look back at work, though, um, as you mentioned, I'm the product marketing manager at Voices. Mm -hmm. Uh, For anyone who hasn't heard of Voices before, we're an online creative services marketplace that connects advertisers, marketers, and producers to voice actors, audio producers, musicians, and translators. And we do that by matching them based on the specific needs of the client's project and the unique skills of the creative talent. In terms of what I do as our product marketing manager at Voices, I'm actually one of three. And each of us are assigned a specific product team to support, whether that's with feature releases or communicating to customers about said feature releases. Um, We we each have our own kind of product lane that we operate within. Mm -hmm. But then outside of that, we each have our own product marketing niche. So my niche is competitive and market intelligence. But then we also collaborate on a variety of product marketing initiatives, things like go-to-market, positioning, messaging. We we work as a team on those larger scale things. So for anyone who doesn't know, can you explain what a two-sided marketplace is? Yeah, definitely. So a two-sided marketplace is essentially an online platform that matches and connects buyers to sellers. So some kind of value can be exchanged between both parties. Mm -hmm. Uh, Typically, the marketplace makes money by charging a fee to the sellers based on the percentage of that value. So in the context of voices, we uh, connect clients to talent. So the clients are obviously the ones looking to procure that creative service or deliverable. And the talent are the ones offering and creating it. And then we charge a uh, platform fee to our talent. Um, If you look more broadly though, there are really two types of of platforms um, out there. There's transaction platforms and those are what most two-sided marketplaces find themselves under. And those are the ones that again, monetized through charging a percentage of a transaction. Mm -hmm. Those are your Ubers, your Airbnb, and of course, like I said, voices. And then you have uh, innovation platforms. Uh, Those are the ones that essentially build, again, a platform or a framework or the building blocks for other people to build and offer services on. So examples are Apple iOS, uh, Google Android, Mm -hmm. um, and Amazon AWS. Um, And those are all things I'm sure uh, your listeners are, are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, so that's essentially what uh, Two Sided Marketplace is. Okay, so as a product marketer, how do you align interests on both sides of the market? Yeah, that's a tough one for sure. Uh, it's not always easy because oftentimes those interests don't always align. Uh, but we we navigate it uh, voices by working very closely with our product and leadership teams to mm-hmm. 
identify customer problems and develop solutions to those problems, which is the standard approach for most product marketers and product teams. Um, and when we look at those solutions, we, we ensure that any solution we ultimately decide upon doesn't benefit one side of the marketplace at the expense of the other. Yep. Obviously, there are times when some sides are disproportionately affected than the other, um, but we try and do it in a way that minimizes that disproportionate effect. And we want to ensure that any change or um, improvement we make is mutually beneficial. So if you look just more specifically at what we do as product marketers at Voices, it's really on us to explain what's in it for the affected side and how that solution benefits either them or both sides, depending on the scenario. So an example that we often do uh, is we frame improvements to the client side of the experience as having trickle-down effects to talent. So an example would be, hey, we're going to make changes to our job posting form, which is the primary way clients post their jobs and outline the things that they need from a potential talent. Well, what that does is, sure, it makes the experience easier for clients, but it also provides, in often scenarios, more information for the talent to provide the client with a better expectation setting, or sorry, a better understanding of how that talent would tackle that specific job. Yeah. So, you know, we're making the experience better for clients, but we're also providing a way for talent to give the prospective client more information and, and encourage them to hire them. Um, you know, at Voices, we like most two-sided marketplaces, we are demand constrained. So we grow fastest by actively seeking out more clients, which means more jobs. Mm -hmm. So we tend to over-index on demand side interests, um, things like um, client signups, activations and conversions, uh, job postings, hired jobs. Those are all the metrics that we want to optimize for that tend to push us in the direction of, you know, leaning towards those client interests that are going to yep. positively affect those things. Um, but typically if those metrics are trending positively, like I said earlier, there's trickle down effects for the talent. So if we're doing what, everything we can to make our clients' lives easier and encouraging them to post more jobs, it means more opportunities for our talent to make money. So how does content production and sharing work at a two-sided marketplace? Like who are you ultimately targeting? Well, to be honest, that voice is as product marketers, we're really lucky. So our, our co-founder and CEO, uh, he's really, I think, a marketer at heart. Uh, mm -hmm. So even before product marketing was established as a function of Voices, we had a dedicated content team and they are phenomenal. Um, we have a content manager, a designer, a writer, as well as an audio visual, visual uh, specialist. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're all great. They're all incredibly talented individuals. So when we look at, um, you know, how we leverage our content team, more broadly speaking, again, like I said earlier, we tend to target more so clients in our general marketing efforts, whether that's through demand gen um, campaigns um, or other marketing initiatives. Again, because we are, like I said earlier, demand constrained, but specifically within content, uh, I actually asked our content manager uh, and she said that our written content is about 50-50 in terms of focus. Mm -hmm. um, video tends to be 75% talent focused because they are a little bit more engaged with our marketplace. They tend to be the ones who are looking for more resources to either, you know, optimize their use of the marketplace to find more opportunities and earn, uh, earn more yeah. as well as just become better creatives. Um, and then we also uh, produce some podcasts, almost all of which are, are talent focused again, because the engagement on our marketplace is, is much more, um, sorry, I should say our talent are much more engaged than our client. Our, our client are typically, you know, coming to our marketplace 
every couple of weeks or days to post a job to come, you know, to complete a larger creative project. Whereas our talent, our talent, excuse me, are logging in every single day to, to see what opportunities there are and, you know, submit customer responses and potentially get hired. Yeah. So can you talk us through some of the unique challenges of a two-sided market? Yeah, happy to. So I'll start with just looking more broadly at the general marketplace issues that most marketplaces kind of need to solve for at some point in their existence, typically early on. And then I'll look more specifically at some of the issues we we face at Voices. So looking again more broadly at marketplaces, I think the first one that any marketplace needs to solve or one of the first ones is the chicken or the egg problem. And that basically answers the questions of, you know, how do we get, um, in our case, talent to sign up before there are jobs for them to work? Or how do we get clients to sign up before they are talent to work their jobs? Mm -hmm. So you need both sides of the marketplace to be really chugging along to uh, reach that critical mass where it's kind of self-sustaining. But understanding where you need to focus your efforts first is is one of that uh, critical primary issues that any marketplace needs to solve for. Uh, Looking beyond that, just keeping work on the platform. Obviously, the initial interaction ideally happens within our marketplace. But just due to the nature of it being online, you know, people are very creative in kind of bypassing the marketplace systems we have in place to avoid things like uh, the fees associated with working on the marketplace. Um, So, you know, we have to build in controls and policies and clever design to ensure that we keep as much work on the platform as possible. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, there's this concept of multi-homing. And that's a harder one to solve for just because there are so many marketplace solutions out there across a variety of industries. Even if you look at, you know, food delivery services as a marketplace solution, there are, you know, any upwards of five or six in any given uh, geographic market. Mm -hmm. So each of those marketplaces has to figure out, well, how do we get people on both sides of the marketplace to want to use us exclusively or most or than the others? And that's, that's a constant battle. Uh, On the voices side of things, there's really, again, three unique ones I'll, I'll just briefly touch on. So one is just educating clients and some of the creative industry specific nuances that if they're hiring a creative professional for the first time, they might not be aware of. So mm-hmm. an example that comes up often is usage, you know, ensuring that our clients understand when they use the creative deliverable they're paying the talent for, they understand when, if they do need to renew uh, but how they should be paying the talent, how they should be aware of, you know, when it's time to renew, so on and so forth. And that's something that if you've never worked with, let's say, a voice actor before, you just wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, another challenge that we face is just this concept of increasing the supply. So I talked earlier about, you know, the chicken, the egg, and, and ensuring that we're managing both the supplies of our demand and um, sell side. But when you increase the supply of talent, you also want to make sure you're maintaining a certain level of quality. And that's really critical to our success of voices. We hear from clients time and time again that they come to our marketplace because the quality of our voice actors really far and away exceeds their experiences elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the more people you let in, the harder it becomes to monitor that quality. Um, you know, quantity and quality don't always have the friendliest of relationships. So mm-hmm. we need to ensure that as quantity increases, uh, quality is is consistently maintained as well. Um, and then lastly is another interesting one is just balancing, you know, pricing being competitive for clients. Because again, typically our clients are coming from industries or workplaces where budgets are tight mm-hmm. um, or they've got a specific budget in mind and they need to work within it. But at the same time, 
we want to make sure that our talent are being paid fairly for their work. So yeah. we really want to make sure that we're not in any way putting downward pressure on job pricing because we want to make sure that, you know, clients are getting the work that they are able to afford. That is the quality that they come to expect, but also talent are taking home the money that they feel is fair for the amount of effort they're putting into the job. Absolutely. So um, can you talk us through some of the benefits of being a product marketer in a two-sided market? For sure. There's honestly so many. So I've tried <laughs> to highlight my top three. Uh, so as I kind of alluded to in a variety of the questions you asked uh, earlier is, it's a great time to get into the marketplace space. There are marketplaces exploding really all over um, right now across mm-hmm. a variety of industries. You know, some of the world's biggest companies are built on these marketplace platforms and there's new ones popping up all the time. Yeah. So you really have the opportunity as a product marketer to say, you know, I want to work um, at this startup marketplace that I think is really doing something unique or creative or something different, or you can, you know, pursue an opportunity with one of those bigger, more established marketplaces and have that kind of big brand recognition on your resume. So there's a lot of uh, opportunities there. And typically these marketplaces tend to really see the value of product marketing as a function and how that plays into the strategic growth of said marketplace and the overall organization. So um, you're kind of spoiled for choice in a way, which is great. Um, The second benefit I'd, I'd highlight is just as I said earlier, competition is so intense. And some people might look at that and think, oh, that's kind of scary as a product yeah. marketer to have to manage that. But what I think it allows you to do is really be creative and, and push yourself to try different ways to be different. Um, because these marketplaces typically are built on the same kind of core transaction or core interaction between either side of the market, you are limited. I shouldn't say limited, but you have to be creative about how you differentiate yourself, whether Mm -hmm. that's through the features your product team are developing and that you're helping them kind of uncover um, as a product marketer or in the way you position and message yourself. And and that's one of the challenges that I find most exciting is, is how do we stand out amongst this crowd of, you know, specifically when the freelance marketplace space, you know, tens of of players that are all trying to fight for client and talent um, attention, um, which I think is, is really neat. And then lastly, there's a lot of variety. Again, because you're trying to solve problems on both sides of the marketplace, um, no day is really the same. And I, I know that's something that I've heard in previous guests you've had on this podcast about <laughs> how there is there really is no typical product marketers um, day. Yeah. Uh, no two days are alike. And I can honestly say that that is very much the same uh, within the marketplace uh, space, uh, which I, I personally love. I've, I've never you know been a product marketer in my role within a marketplace and thought, man, I'm bored. This is boring. Like the work is <laughs> genuinely, genuinely challenging and different every single day, which, Absolutely. which I think is fantastic. So when you market into two very different audiences, um, buyers and sellers, how do you prioritize their needs as a product marketer? Yeah, it's definitely a balancing act at times. You mm-hmm. know, when, when we think of needs, they're typically related to an unsolved problem. So they've identified this need because, you know, they're looking to solve a problem they're facing or pursue an opportunity that they see in front of them. So we typically let the business and the marketplace health metrics, some of them I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, kind of dictate where and how we prioritize addressing those problems. So if we see uh, maybe the number of posted jobs are, are on a downward trend, which fortunately at Voices is not the case, but if that were the case, um, we might be able to uncover um, a specific need of our client that we're not currently fulfilling and they're taking their jobs elsewhere as a result. Yep. So we really look at those like I said, business and marketplace health metrics to, to kind of navigate us. And then we leverage our product and UX research team to really interpret those metrics and 
balance them against kind of the qualitative feedback we get from our customers through interviews. And again, I said earlier, I'm really lucky at Voices as a Product Marketing Manager to have a phenomenal content team. Well, mm-hmm. we're also supported by an incredible product and UX research team. So they're really good at uncovering some of those needs yeah. um, and translating them back to the root problem at hand and then identifying a potential solution and working with us to then articulate that solution to our customers so that it ties back to that original need. Um, which, which again, makes my life that much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, one thing that I think we really started investing the time and effort in uh, at Voices is monitoring what our competitors are doing. Um, typically, you know, if your competitors are moving or behaving in a certain way or launching specific features or, or highlighting different features or values that they weren't previously, it kind of indicates to, to me as a product marketer that maybe they've uncovered a need that we weren't either previously aware of or that their customers have kind of signaled to them being like, hey, help us solve this problem. Mm -hmm. So that's another way we kind of balance those needs is like, what are our competitors doing? What needs are competitors addressing? Um, And how can we do that for our customers if there is a connection between the two? So with this kind of business model, there must be a pretty heavy focus on user behavior. Um, and it's something notoriously difficult to predict. So how do you track user behavior at Voices to improve the experience for both the actors and the people looking to hire the voice talent? Yeah. So fortunately at Voices, um, we've got a great group of not only people, some of the mm-hmm. teams I mentioned earlier, but also yep. um, we've invested in, in the tools to make that that much easier. Yeah. So we look at user behavior indicators um, being tracked by tools like Heap, LaunchDarkly, um, Google Optimize for A-B testing. And then, like I said, we have our UX, our team doing um, customer interviews. Mm-hmm. Then we look at, again, some of those business um, metrics indicators. Um, so I mentioned kind of some of the client uh, sided one. So, you know, number of jobs being posted, number of jobs being hired, et cetera. But then on the talent side, we're looking at things like talent balance. So, you know, our talent making a return on not only their financial investment in our marketplace, but also their time investment. Um, how long is it taking them to get hired, whether it's between jobs or their first job? And then what is their booking ratio? So how many times mm-hmm. are they having to respond to jobs before they're ultimately hired? We also, again, have an incredible in-house analytics team uh, and they leverage Tableau to to track those metrics. And then um, product marketing in conjunction with our UXR team sends out some automated get feedback surveys that go out at varying times during the customer journey Mm -hmm. to ensure we're collecting the right feedback that is kind of helping us identify how that user behavior could be changing or could be um, improved upon or altered through future product um, updates um, or, or feature releases, et cetera. Um, and then lastly, again, I, I said it earlier in, your pre- in the previous question, we're looking at competitor and market trends. And mm-hmm. we recently partnered with, or signed an agreement, I should say, with Crayon um, to really help us in that area of competitive intelligence, which is an area that I think, you know, historically Voices was aware of being a priority, but really since product marketing has been brought into the fold, um, has really increased in, in um let's say, awareness within the org of being something that's really important for us to actually invest, again, the, the, the time and effort. And we've got a great partner in, in Crayon to help us do that. Yeah. And then I think just keeping eyes on the larger freelance industry. So there's, given the nature of, of freelance work, there's a lot of obviously, you know, government um, regulations potentially um, happening. There's a lot of conversations around um, freelancer rights um, mm-hmm. and benefits. 
So, you know, we as a product marketing team and as a larger, larger organization need to understand how those market trends could impact our own user behavior. You know, could talents be telling client, hey, you know, I want to change to the agreement so that I'm protected in this scenario? Or how do we have to update our own terms of service to protect our users uh, and us as an organization that facilitates uh, those transactions? So, yeah, there's a lot of ways we, we monitor user behavior and they all kind of help us uncover different insights and things we need to be aware of. Yeah. Um, so how, how do you foster a network of feedback from both sides and how important is that feedback? It's definitely incredibly important. I don't think any product marketer would sit here and say that feedback isn't um, of the utmost importance at all times, <laughs> especially from customers. Yeah. Um, so I would say at Voices, you know, we, fostering feedback from our talent is pretty easy. Again, you know, as I referenced earlier, our talent, because they're so engaged in our marketplace and they're really logging in almost every day, mm-hmm. um, they are kind of almost banging down our doors to tell us how we can improve, which as a product marketer and with our product and UXR teams is a great thing to have. I wouldn't yeah. say problem. It's, it's, a, it's a great um, experience to have. Um, you know, I think the challenges then become how do we balance that feedback against, like I said, some of those business and health metrics and how do we prioritize how we address that feedback? But I'd rather, you know, have too much feedback and need to prioritize it than not enough at all. Yeah. Um, on the client side, it's a little bit harder, again, because, you know, obviously we're solving a, an important problem for them, which is, you know, procuring those creative services to help them complete, uh, you know, their creative projects. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily, depending on the client, fundamental to their day-to-day job. Yeah. Um, it could be a smaller part of a larger creative project that maybe they're working on for this week or this month, and then they're on to something else that doesn't have the same dependence on their creative service. So they're they're just not as forthcoming, but the clients who we do get feedback from um, are incredibly insightful and the feedback they provide us is always helpful to us. Um, and we do that in a number of different ways. Like I said earlier, our UXR team conducts re, um, interviews regularly, whether that's on a potential upcoming feature or, or maybe a potential change to a marketplace experience that we want to investigate further. We, as I said, we do those automated surveys. We also started doing um, pre-launch feedback sessions with some of our more engaged, especially talent community Mm -hmm. for things that we think might either positively or potentially change the experience of our talent on our marketplace. Um, So that, you know, as a product marketing team, when we ultimately go to market with that feature, we are better prepared to address potential objections or answer questions that we might otherwise, you know, as an internal team, um, been aware of prior to the feature going launch. Um, And then lastly, we have um, a feedback at voices.com, which is an email our product team set up recently just to to basically collect feedback from our customers on either side and have it sent directly to a Slack channel that they then translate into um, an Asana ticket that kind of documents that feedback um, and or problem or opportunity so that we just are better tracking it um, through various channels. Okay. So, we like to kind of end the show on a actionable, actionable advice note. So my final question is, do you have any tips or advice for anyone looking to join a product marketing team at, at a two-sided market sort of for sure. company? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, there's really two pieces of advice. And I think the first one's a, a no-brainer. And I'm also going to put in a bit of a PMA plug here as well. But <laughs> it's, you know, having strong product marketing fundamentals. So yeah. Take advantage of, you know, I would say the the um, 
the, just the sheer volume of resources offered by the PMA, whether that's written content, podcasts like such as this one, um, some of the courses that um, the PMA has been rolling out over the past several weeks, um, really pursue those opportunities and really just be a sponge for that information. I would say um, be engaged in the larger PMA community. I, I found out about the PMA through, um, I don't know how I landed on the page, but through the Slack community. Um, and it's really been a game changer for me. It's It's really not only reinvigorated my interest and passion for product marketing, but also just connected me to product marketers that I otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to chat with. I mean, yeah. when I started at Voices, I was the the solo product marketing manager for for a time. We've since brought on a, a second product marketing manager and are um, you know leveraging another internal um, member to kind of be part time PMM to fill that third spot. But you know, without that Slack community, I really had no one to bounce product marketing specific uh, ideas off of or get that feedback. So yeah. I would say definitely take advantage of those resources and build those fundamentals. Um, and again, the two things I'll just quickly shout out is, yeah, the, the PMA podcasts are fantastic. Also, <laughs> um, the Sharebird podcasts, I'm a huge fan of those podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got some great content and hosts out there. So shout out to the team over there for putting together some some fantastic lessons um, yeah. And then I guess the second uh, bit of advice I would have is really understand the marketplace landscape. If, if you want to get a job um, at a marketplace platform company, whether it's a transaction or innovation based, it's important to really understand the nuances and dynamics of what um, a marketplace is and how it functions. Um, so there's there's a couple of books I, I always recommend to people who, who ask me a similar question. So there's um, Platform Revolution by Jeffrey Parker. That was really the first marketplace specific or platform specific book I ever read. And it was hugely eye-opening just to really understand what makes a, a strong marketplace and how you can mm-hmm. grow and, and um, really ignite your marketplace growth. Um, and I was able to just draw immediate connections to the things I was doing as a product marketing manager at Voices, which was incredibly beneficial. There's um, also Matchmakers by David S. Evans, um, The Lean Marketplace by, and I always butcher his name, but I'm going to go with Juho Makinen. Sorry if I, if I butcher that. Um, and then lastly, um, Upstarts by Brad Stone, which really just tells the story of how Uber and Airbnb mm-hmm. got off the ground. And they're kind of your, your prototypical or kind of the, the poster children for two-sided marketplaces, whether that's for good reasons or bad. Um, <laughs> but it's a really interesting story and there's a lot of parallels. Anyone looking to get into a marketplace opportunity or role um, as a product marketing manager can really um, uncover and, and benefit from. So yeah, I would I would recommend knowing the industry, doing your research, um, but reading those books if you've got the time or the opportunity to. Yep. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Yeah, I'm so happy that you got so much value out of the Slack community as well. Um, I definitely urge anyone listening to give that give that a go if you haven't already. Um, yeah, thank you so much. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are.